Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I had no idea Patrick Wilson would be hashtag fitness goals this year. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. I can't believe Topo the Octopus is back, and he has his own soft drink. <laughs> Topo Chico. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I sit here for so long, and then Dave takes mine. <laughs> I was going to say, Patrick Wilson makes me feel like I need to do push-ups. I mean, it's two, Patrick. All you need to do. <laughs> big splash in the water, and you got muscles. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. We, no, sorry, we, don't, sorry. we don't review our opening statements in advance. We like to be surprised by them. I you know? I, for sure I'd have one that Dave wouldn't be thinking of. <laughs> no, but, but Patrick Wilson's physique cannot be denied. It in the really is something. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it, it's actually shown off more than Jason Momoa's physique, I would argue. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really yeah. wonder about Jason Momoa's physique these days, too. Like, poor yeah. guy. I don't know. Uh, it's. It, I'm curious. I'm, curi- cause it's, I'm curious because it's not. It's, it's not shown off that much in the new movie. So well, uh, Fast Ten had me a little worried too. It was like, mm. what's going on with Aquaman over there? Yeah, mm-hmm. I gotta say, I was more worried about Patrick Wilson, frankly. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like worried that he's okay. What? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he's is doing he getting, real good. Is he getting enough carbs? Is the question, right? <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Today on the podcast, we got some what we've been watching for you, some weekly plugs before we get to our review, uh, maybe a little bit of film news right up top. I do want to mention that if you want to support this podcast, you can always do so at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can get ad-free episodes uh, as well as uh, exclusive After Darks. And uh, we are recording this podcast before uh, Christmas. We're recording this before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're listening to it after Christmas, unless you're a patron, in which case you got our Aquaman review early. Uh, but yeah, we're recording it before Christmas, uh, and so that's why the, the episode might be a little bit shorter than usual, because uh, uh, maybe our, we'll be watching segments a little bit shorter, but we wanted to, to get this done so that we could uh, all uh, enjoy the holidays uh, with our families uh, the week of Christmas. So it doesn't look any know. shorter to me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. You know, you, you can never predict based on the show. Sometimes items could go quickly. Sometimes one thing can take 10 minutes. Also, who, who knows? my entire what we've been watching is going to be wildly out of date. Really main loading. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's, you know, yeah. Uh, I do just want to say a quick word about uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, and that is, we are enormously grateful to everyone who uh, has supported us this year uh, via Patreon. Um, this has been, uh, I, I am just going to say, a terrible year in the media industry. Uh, there have been massive layoffs uh, across all major publications, Uh Major podcasting companies like NPR, WNYC, Pushkin Industries have all had massive layoffs, not to mention, of course, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the advertising model has completely dropped out of all media. <laughs> for, for, for many people, it is much more difficult to make money via advertising these days. And so uh, really, you know, we, we do run ads on the podcast, but really like over 90% of the money we make on this podcast is via Patreon. And so... Uh, it just means a lot to us that to have people's support. 
that enables us to do this show and to put uh, as much work as we do into it. And so I uh, just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens and supports us via patreon.com slash film podcast. And uh, we hope everyone is having a happy holiday uh, and a safe holiday this uh, holiday season. So Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. The fact anyway. that I can tell my wife that I need to skip away from... <laughs> Holiday preparation to mm-hmm. go see Aquaman, <laughs> The Lost Kingdom. It's for and work, she goes, buddy. You yeah. know what? That makes sense, honey. Uh, it's all because of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Thank you, patrons. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. So this is the the change that you all are making in the world right now. Um, is making it slightly easier for Jeff to get away from his family. All right. Uh, happy holidays. patreoncom slash podcast. Uh, on this week's. After our episode, we got a review of Maestro for y'all. Of course, uh, over the course of the last few weeks, we've had uh, a bunch of other reviews and conversations that we've had on the After Dark, including episodes like Saltburn, The Holdovers. So a lot of great stuff over on the After Dark. Always a great reason to become a patron. Of course, we also recently published on the main feed our conversation with Jordan Minor about American fiction. Um, so anyway... Uh, lots to check out there. Patreon.com slash film podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting us uh, in the next year if you're not already. Before we get to what we've been watching, I wanted to mention that we heard some news this week that uh, what we've already been hearing that Paramount is in the process of potentially selling itself. Uh, there have been some interested suitors, including Skydance, but one meeting that really kicked up a bunch of dust this week was that uh, David Zasloff and Bob Backish have met this week uh, for a possible Paramount Warner Brothers merger. It's like Merry Christmas to us again. Ugh. This is one of the worst things that could possibly happen in the entertainment industry. Indeed. Right now. And Brothers, Warner Mount. <laughs> I mean, a lot uh, of disappointment that, you know, they're like, obviously we all thought that the logical combination would be warner brothers and peacock creating a new streaming service called max cock right like that yeah was the dream it's not happening at this point uh instead it looks like paramount and warner brothers may be considering merging and i like what a lot of people said uh, on threads which was that basically if they did merge the combined streaming service would likely be called max amount which is also the amount that they would charge you for that service. <laughs> Max amount. Yeah. That's good. Uh, but yeah, this this would be terrible. There's a lot of regulatory danger to this. Like it's very possible yeah, they'll yeah. try and it won't happen. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it will under the tr- the second Trump administration in mm-hmm. 2026. So. You know, Zaslav is like the, the groundhog from Groundhog's Day. Once he makes a public appearance, it's like, what's what's going to happen to media, folks? <laughs> Did he I have a good meeting? Or a bad meeting? Six more months of winter. This is yeah. not a good meeting. Yeah. I would compare him more to uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad, and I am Aaron Paul screaming into the sky. He can't keep getting away with this. Yeah, um, and he is the one who knocks. He, he, yeah. can't, he cannot keep. He's already ruined one company, <laughs> and we're now giving, actually multiple companies. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I've seen some chatter online. People mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, it's going to be great. I can get all my Paramount and Warner Brothers stuff in one app." Guys, you do not want the guy who oversaw the creation of Here Comes Honey Boo Boo to be responsible for one quarter of our movie history, okay? Indeed. Uh, He will not treat it well, as he has already demonstrated he is not able to do so. Uh, So anyway, very, very sad, distressing news. Uh, I will say, though, that it really seems unlikely that Paramount is going to survive in the next couple of years. Like, 
one way or what, whether mm-hmm, or not the mm-hmm. Paramount Warner Brothers things happens, um, the uh, Paramount Plus I would strongly doubt is going to be a going concern, you know, in two to three years from now. It probably has to be another big company and a big company that actually cares about a media presence. And uh, I'm looking at like the, the billions of dollars that Apple has just sitting around, you know, so it's possible. That's possible, but less regulatory issues there, but yeah, potentially, potentially, you know, and, and and to be fair, like Warner brothers and Paramount, like it does make some sense uh, strategically. They Mm -hmm. have, they have like a lot of non overlapping assets. Uh, So for instance, um, uh, Paramount has like a, a major broadcast network. Warner Brothers yeah, does not. Yeah. You know, uh, they have like differing sports licenses. Uh, so there, there, there is some logic there, but I do think I, I just can't get away from the idea that you do not want David Zaslav running a combined Paramount and Warner Brothers entity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I imagine Zaslav and the Paramount person just sitting down, like the scene from uh, from American Psycho or something. It's like, <laughs> listen, we got we got reality programming. What do you got? You got Star mm-hmm. Trek. Ooh. That's nice. <laughs> we have a lot of non-overlapping. Real nice. Real nice. We have a lot of non-overlapping uh, yeah. properties here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Apple gosh, the, does... Sopr- the Sopranos. Let's make it. Let's make a movie like a, a reboot off of that. You know, like mm-hmm. I mean, I think they already were did that. Yeah. Um, if if Apple does uh, acquire it, though, that could be Apple and Pear amount. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would be I great. Mean, yeah. That would be great. It's it's the holiday episode, guys. Okay, you, you guys can't expect the same level of top tier <laughs> quality. Most apple juice do. is a combination of apple and pear. So See? that is correct. There you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of juice. They got a lot of juice. All right. Anyway. We will see how that plays out, uh, but I would put it at a uh, significant chance it doesn't happen that Paramount and Warner Brothers get together and emerge, uh, and emerger, I should say. But uh, I, I would say it does seem increasingly like that, yeah, Paramount's going to be sold, uh, mm-hmm. potentially to Skydance, potentially to someone else. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, stars, a lot of networks, like it just, whatever is going to happen with these folks. Yeah, they're it's, it's very mo- precarious. Mo- most yeah. of these cable uh tv stations or networks are dying in like they're they're not mm-hmm. they're not growth industry it's a really weird situation because they still make a decent amount of money but they're not growth industries anymore so they're kind of slowly slowly dying um so it's mm-hmm. not like there's a lot of people that want to come in and be like I- i'll buy that you know yeah. that seems like well a there's good idea private equity him. that comes in it's like i'll buy that i'll strip yeah. that i'll take yeah. all the value from that and then yeah, yeah. let you die yeah so yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. happening exactly yeah. exactly so what could go yeah. wrong what could go wrong good times it is good times. In the- Merry Christmas, everyone. Good times in the media industry right now. All right. Who owns the right to good times? Let's get, to, <laughs> let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, uh, we have a few things to mention. I had a chance to go see The Iron Claw. Now, I have been rapidly mm-hmm. trying to catch up with all the end of the year stuff. Same. And I, I will tell you, like, I remember last year being so stressful because uh, I, was, I was really trying to cram in everything before the end of the year. And you know what? Uh... Like over ninety five percent of the stuff that I watched in December didn't make it into my top ten. You know, for, for you had to see it. You had for, to see it for a yeah, wide variety of reasons. Go well, ahead. that's yeah. the definition of a top ten. Ninety five percent of the stuff doesn't make it. Yeah, th- that's fair. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, I, I think I was less discriminating last year mm. for for me. I'm just talking about my own experience, mm-hmm, which is yeah. that that's fair. I, I was like, I saw all these people's movies on their top ten list. Yes, and I was like, yes. I got to watch them all, right? right? And this year, I am being much more strategic because. If there's a movie that is on someone's top 10 list, but I read the dis- the plot description and I think to myself, 
<laughs> I don't think I'm going to enjoy that. I just skip that one because I'm like, I'm, yeah, it's probably yeah. not going to be in my top. 10, it's so you know? hard to keep to keep up with everyone's top tens. Exactly. It is kind so, of, it's uh, true. Wild. so I'm yeah. being way more like strategic and sparse with my viewing this year, mm-hmm. and I'm having a much better time, you know, in terms of what I'm watching. Good. Uh, good. But the Iron Claw, this is one of the ones that I thought had a real chance of being in the top ten. A lot of people have been saying this is one of the best films of the year. Not me. Uh, that's right. And not Jeff. And, you know, I, you know, Sean Durkin, very talented director. He made The Nest. He made Martha Marcy May Marlene. This uh, is only his third movie, too. So, right. It's a very, he has uh, not made many movies. Uh, I don't know if that's right. Let, Let me, me see. see. He has directed. I just remember, oh, like, oh, we were... oh, he also made a bunch of uh, Dead Ringers, right? Yes. Um, he's done a bunch of TV. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when The Nest came out, we were like, Sean Durkin, where has he been for a decade, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Dead Ringers was awesome, I thought. Not everyone agrees with me, but I really enjoyed Dead Ringers. Uh, And you can watch that on Prime Video. Uh, But yeah, he made this movie called The Iron Claw. I think he's like an enormously talented director. Uh, And yeah, I remember Jeff not liking this movie. And I didn't. I I, I said it was fine. Yeah, right. And I love nothing more than (laughs) coming onto this podcast (laughs) and proving Jeff wrong. Uh huh. And. Having watched The Iron Claw now and having developed an opinion on it, it gives me enormous regret to say that I think no. Jeff Kanata was right about this. No! Um, yeah. um, so, I told you at the time I would be shocked if you loved this movie. Yeah, and, and but there's a lot of stuff I like about... You know, I agree. You know, right? I agree. Sean, Sean Durkin, all the actors are amazing in I agree. this movie. Uh and but, make Patrick Wilson look like a wimp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I mean, it's an out-of-body experience watching Zac Efron in this movie. I felt myself getting more out of shape as the movie went on. <laughs> That's what you know I said. What it's a movie that made <laughs> me come home yeah. and do push-ups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what What are my thoughts on this movie? You know, Jeff already covered it a little bit when he talked about it last week, but it's about the Von Erich family, uh, which is a legendary wrestling family. And uh, their rise to power in the wrestling world and uh, some misfortunes that may or may not have befallen some of the members of the family. Uh, And the problem with this movie is it suffers from what I would describe as biopic syndrome, Mm. where it just provides this kind of fast forwarded highlights reel of all the stuff that happened to this family without really doing the work or providing the necessary scaffolding to make those events really feel like they mean something. Um, It it just covers, in my opinion, way too much ground in too short of a time, which is around two hours of of runtime. And so when things happen, you know, the movie's beautiful, all the performances are amazing, but I found myself not really feeling that much during the movie, even when stuff on screen that's happening is really, really powerful. It's supposed to be really powerful, but I just didn't get there emotionally. And I think it's because the movie rushes and tries to cram in too much stuff uh, in its relatively short runtime. Jeff Kanata, what do you think of that? I would agree. Um, it, uh, I mean, it, it, it's hard to fault the movie for that because there's a lot. Yeah, there's to a lot cover. to cover, right? Yeah, but it should have been a TV series. It should have been a TV series, or Perhaps. like three yeah. part mini, three or four part miniseries. Because um, yeah. the, the format they chose really, I think, does a disservice to the story they're trying to tell you. Yeah, right. I, I don't know if that's hmm. my biggest problem with it. I, I certainly don't disagree that that's a problem with. It. I think there's a way to cover all of that in two hours and still make me feel something. Yeah, yeah. I, 
so I, I don't I, there's just something missing from this movie. It's it's pretty flat, which is weird because it's so it's dealing with such momentous moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I I came out of it feeling pretty flat and pretty like you know it's it's a perfectly cromulent film. Yeah, but yeah. not. Not nothing stellar, and certainly nothing that I will be remembering for a long time. Well, also, Jeff, you did not like the wrestling in the movie very much, if I recall correctly. Is that right? Like you thought it was yes, only okay. I respect right? the fact that the actors seem to be doing a large yeah, portion they, it of really it. Really felt like the actors were doing it themselves, yeah. which is which is impressive. But you know, I, I, I'm going to trust you on that because you know, like just like you would trust me when I tell you in Maestro, like this scene was really bad with the faking, right. you know, like you yeah. would trust me if I, if I said that. So like, for me, it looked fine. You know, I will say there was a lot of it yeah. uh, in the movie. And so if you don't, if you don't think that their wrestling is convincing, I can understand why mm-hmm. that would be a turnoff for you in the film. Uh, I will also say, you know, as I said, the, the performances are excellent. Uh, I really think that uh, it's a the movie is a good showcase for Holt McCallany, which is love him. Uh, He's great. Zach Efron does great, but like Holt McCallany, one of our underrated character actors in in the world right now, yeah. and nobody has a face like him. Is the thing and a so, voice, love, and love a voice. voice, and if, you yeah. know, my first exposure to Holt McCallany is he is the guy who in Fight Club said the words, "His name is Robert Paulson," mm-hmm. and I kind of made that into a thing. And I was like, "Wow, what that, what a distinct." presence that guy is who says his name is robert paulson he always, he always stands out uh, yeah. he's also in aliens three and uh, he did a tv series which i talked about right here yeah. that called lights out and that was also very good the boxing was that the boxing the one, boxing right? one yeah. yeah 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 so very, very talented actor does a great I mean, job in this movie yeah this it seems like a great cast all around too i'm interested i just noticed this harris dickinson is in this and he's also uh starring in a murder at the end of the world yeah. and i'm really very intrigued talented. by him as an actor now yeah very talented actor again he does a great job in this movie too yeah he, he's a really really great you know all all the actors do great i think like yeah the script is kind of where this this movie is let down a little bit uh it's it's a formidable task uh what sean i think sean durkin wrote the script if i recall correctly and uh he there's just a lot of material to it there are a lot of events happen to this family and i think um yeah it, it doesn't quite come together in a way that is maximally impactful uh, at least for me, and it sounds like for Jeff as well. Devendra will be curious what you think of this one when you have a chance to check it out. Yeah, I'm so, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's The Iron Claw. It's out in theaters right now. It's one thing I've been watching this week. Hey, got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Eye of the Duck. Do you love movies? Of course you do. Have you ever heard of an Eye of the Duck scene? David Lynch says every movie has a scene that defines the whole. On each episode of the podcast, Eye of the Duck... Hosts Dom Nero and Adam Volerich explore a movie by finding its most essential scene. Remember the chest burster sequence in Alien? That sudden explosion of body horror tells you everything you need to know about Ridley Scott's sci-fi masterpiece. It's a classic Eye of the Duck. Join Dom and Adam as they search for Eye of the Duck scenes in beloved franchises like Alien, Toy Story, and Mission Impossible and subgenres such as winter horror, space odysseys, and 80s dark fantasy. In their latest series, Eye of the Duck 20XX, Dom and Adam are charting the history of the cyberpunk movement and scoping out Eye of the Duck scenes in totemic films like Blade Runner, Tron, Akira, The Matrix, and more. 
Explore the scenes at the heart of your favorite movies and follow Eye of the Duck wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music or on the Wondery app. Devinder Hardware, hit us up with something you've watched this week. Sure, I'm also doing the the whole seeing what everybody else is picking for their top tens and just kind of prioritizing what I'm watching. So I have seen A Fire, which is Kristen uh, Petzold's uh, latest film. It's available now on the Criterion channel. And a lot of people have been praising this film. Um, I think Kristen Petzold uh, creates really interesting dramas. Uh, he did that film Phoenix uh, several years ago, actually almost a decade ago, the Nina Haas movie about the woman who's like trying to figure out if... Uh, if her husband betrayed her during the Holocaust. And that was really interesting. A fire is a very, very simple movie. It's about a group of friends who are spending time by the beach and, um, and their dynamics. Um, but it does center on either, I don't know, my favorite or my most hated, uh, character, but dude who sucks. And, uh, <laughs> again, dude who sucks. Um, it's re- it centers on a writer who is just filled with self-loathing and is unable to to actually produce anything, but also is an asshole to everybody around him because of that. And there there's something here that's interesting about like the creative process and just like how I don't know. I feel like after a certain point, every writer kind of feels like that. Yeah, man, I suck. Why why am I doing this? Look at everybody having fun out there. That really sucks. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic. Uh, he is on vacation, basically not vacation, but on retreat to try to, you know, work on his book before his publisher appears. And it's called a fire because it's also set amid uh, potential wildfires that are like creeping towards these folks. I think it's a really, um, it's an interesting movie. I'm glad I saw it. I didn't find it, uh, utterly remarkable or anything. If anything, it seems like, um, almost like a callback to so many, European films that I've seen, especially like classic ones. Like there is a girl that he's really interested in. She's a little bit of a free spirit. She rides a bicycle all over the place. Uh, She sells ice cream. She's adorable, but she's also a really interesting intellectual and almost his equal or uh, more than his equal at times. It seems Um, it almost seems like a greatest hits of things you'd expect from like, you know, a, a European character drama set in the countryside or beach area. So it didn't feel utterly remarkable to me or anything, but I think it's really interesting. And it's right now it's on uh, it's on Criterion Channel, so you could watch it pretty easily. And Criterion also has a bunch of stuff I need to check out. Yeah, Godland. They've, they've, is had up there. Good, they've had a good year. Godland. There's also yeah. uh, Eight Mountains. Yes. Uh, which I, so there's a bunch of movies basically on Criterion that that were Are premieres. On top ten list right now. Were yeah. premieres, yeah, that were on top ten lists, and mm-hmm. that I haven't gotten around to. I, I'm hoping to check out Godland before the year is up. I need so. to see Godland. I would love to see yeah Eight Mountains too, but this one is um. Yeah, it's a really straightforward character drama. I think it goes places you don't quite expect. Um, but again, another for the pantheon of dudes who sucks. This dude really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a fire. I've heard good things about it. it sounds like you weren't too hot on it, Devendra. It's uh, uh, but, not, yeah. not, not quite hot on it, yeah, I'd yeah. say. Jeff Kanata has hit us up with something you've been watching this week. Well, apologies to non-patrons that are getting this after Christmas because <laughs> uh, my entire what we've been watching this week is all about Christmas specials that I have been enjoying and mostly enjoying with my children. Um, so, you know, if you're listening to this after Christmas, maybe put this these in your bonnet for next year if you're, if you're so inclined. Uh, Again, let, sorry. Let me, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Do you think like after Christmas immediately that is the cutoff for any Christmas related content. Like yes, in your mind, you're just like, there's no, 
case for watching any Christmas stuff after Christmas is over? Yes. I don't I don't know if I feel <laughs> that way. I don't know if I feel like I think there's a little bit of a grace period. I think like maybe for a couple of days afterwards, if you want if you're hanging out with a family, you want to put on a Christmas movie, I think that's okay. So I'm just no. putting that out there. No, Jeff. that's no. wrong. Okay. That's incorrect. All you right, are well, now into New Year's Eve movies and New Year's Eve movies only. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Movies like When Harry Met Sally, which mm-hmm. has a very prominent New Year's Eve scene. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. It's fine. Watch whatever you watch. And and if if you want to enjoy some of these or you know, whatever, if you, you if I'm making you aware of some Christmas specials that you're not aware of, uh, I have several, but I'll start with one. Uh, very new one that just hit Amazon Prime streaming. Uh, this is called Merry Little Batman. That's right. Merry Little Batman, a, an a, adorable kids Batman Christmas special. Not the kind of thing I expected to see pop up on streaming services. And yet here we are. Uh, this comes from director Mike Roth who's probably best known for the regular show. Uh, Worked on SpongeBob also, but was a writer on the regular show. Um, And this is uh, Batman through the lens of that kind of very um, stylized children. The regular show is, is, you know, if you know it, it's it's very stylized. This is like everybody's legs are real twiggy and and thin. you know, they have huge upper bodies and weird distorted faces. It's very much its own art style. It's not, doesn't look like any Batman cartoon that I can recall. This is its own, very its own thing. And it really, honestly, what Merry Little Batman is, is what if Home Alone, but Batman? Which, hey, not a bad premise, (laughs) but it very much lifts Home Alone almost whole cloth. It's uh, Damian Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's son, canonically in, in, in the comics. Don't get me started into how that happens because it's kind of convoluted and weird, but it, none of that is dealt with in the cartoon. We just know <laughs> that, that Batman has a son, that the, our, our Bruce Wayne, the Batman we all know and love, has a young son. I think he's seven or something, in the, seven or eight in this, maybe younger, whatever. He's a young kid. Uh, and... Uh, because he had a kid, he basically cleaned up all of Gotham. All the supervillains got put in into uh, jail, and uh, but and he goes out uh, one last time as Batman. And while he's away from Wayne Manor, guess what? A couple of wacky uh, thieves try to break into Wayne Manor, and young Damien has to stop them using uh, Home Alone like tactics. That's the movie goes to other places after that, but that's a big portion of the uh, early part of the movie. Uh, this is, by the way, a movie, not just a special. It's a full-on um, hour and a half, 90-minute long uh, movie. Uh, I honestly expected to like this a lot more than I did. Uh, it's not bad. It's 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 kind of fun. Uh, Luke Wilson actually plays Bruce Wayne. So if you can imagine the Luke Wilson voice, very much not the, you know, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, Con Conroy, what he passed. Kevin away. Conroy. Kevin, Kevin Conroy, Conroy. Thank you. Or Will Arnett, who's also a pretty good Batman voice. Yes, yeah. but you know Luke Wilson is a dad, right? This is a movie about Bat Dad, really, and he's uh, he's played very differently than you've ever seen Batman played in cartoons. And I would love to hear Owen Wilson do Batman. Owen that Wilson would be fun. That would be fun. Wouldn't wow, it? man! Wow, yeah. Batarang! Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, this is Luke Wilson, and yeah. um, you know I, I think this movie is, is fun. My seven year old son enjoyed it, but 
of the, you know, I, I think Batman the Animated Series on any given day is way, way, way better than this. They also obviously, had Christmas episodes, right? I remember some they that did. were really, yes. yeah. And obviously trying to do something very differently. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison, but they're both, they're bat apples and bat oranges. So, you know, um, I just, uh, I just wasn't in love with this. It's a, it's a, I like that this is kind of, taking a character we know and doing something really different with it. It's, it's, it's an interesting swing because it's like, Oh, you know, this is really not how I've ever seen Batman portrayed before, but uh, ultimately I thought it was a little derivative and not, not as fun as I would have liked. I, I, I just was not taken with it, but it's still, it's, it's fun. Surprising that it's on Amazon prime and not on one Max, of the other services. Max, that, Max the one to watch for HBO. Max the one to watch for HBO. HBO. Yeah. 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 Um, but here we are, a Merry Little Batman, uh, brand new, uh, available. Oh, by the way, my son told me, who's seven, my son told me it does have a bad word in it. Oh. So even though it is rated for, for seven years and, uh, older, I, I, he said, Daddy, uh, this it had a bad word in it. I was like, I, I didn't notice a bad word. What, what, wow. what word? He said, he says freaking. Wow. So, a little narc over there, Jeff. I know. Yeah. Beware. Beware. If you wow. have young kids, it does say Don't do anything your wife uh, should know about, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I worry yeah. about that constantly. <laughs> well, it's Merry Little Batman. It's on Prime Video. This is really the what we've been watching of movies that were just fine this week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it, they were just, nothing terrible, but they were just fine. <laughs> nothing amazing either. Speaking of which, uh, I want to tell you about a movie I saw called... De Humani Corporis Fabrica. Gesundheit. Well done. De Humani Corporis Fabrica, which I think means uh, of the human, the, hold on, what is, what is the, uh, the, the, the translation human body is on fabric? the fabric of the human mm-hmm. body yeah. is what it means. Um, so I've been, you know, looking around for uh, what movies I should watch before the end of the year. Uh, and I saw this one. I was like, I'd never heard of this. Had never heard of this movie on any list, mm-hmm. uh, but I saw this random list online that had it. It is streaming right now on Mubi, which is how I watched it. And I, I don't know why I'm bringing this. You know, I generally <laughs> you're really scraping. I, this week. I, I, I generally don't talk about movies negatively if uh-huh. they are like small indie films. You know what I'm saying? Like because. Most of the time, if they're small indie films, no one will ever hear of them. So it's like there's there's no need for David Chen to bring it up and kind of slag it on on the podcast. I did not like this movie very much, but it is unique, and therefore I feel it is worth bringing up. You know what I'm saying? So like, so so maybe mm-hmm. it's not serving what I'm interested in eating, uh, uh, so to speak. But human flesh. But yeah, but you might be interested. Essentially, what it is is it's a French film that has a lot of documentary footage of an ICU and like a surgery wing in a hospital is kind of what it is. Oh boy. And uh, you know how like sometimes when you're, when, when there's a surgery, often they will put what is happening onto a screen, right? Like, yeah. Well, imagine if that was most of the movie, <laughs> most of a no, film. No, thank basically. you. Uh, and that's kind of what this movie is. You know, it reminds me a little bit of uh, David Cronenberg's crimes of the future, uh, which imagined a mm-hmm. universe in which, uh, surgery surgery performed on humans live was like a spectator sport. 
uh, that people would like go to watch like yeah. you'd watch a show. Because people don't um, feel pain anymore. So yeah, right, the surgery right. was just like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So th- it's kind of like in that vein where, you know, people go, I mean, n- n- not people going to watch this, but like you as the viewer are watching this ostensibly for entertainment. But is it and, real surgery or is it Yeah, real movie? surgeries. Yeah, real okay. Surgery. So it's yeah. a documentary. No, thank you. Um, and what the, the, the you know, I, I, David Chen, I'm somebody who likes I watched a movie this year that was literally just piles of garbage. Like that's it. I watched a documentary. <laughs> well, the rest just... of us just watched metaphorical <laughs> piles of garbage. I mean, I watched a guy cleaning toilets for two hours. <laughs> right, it, was right, great. Right. it was great. I watched a movie. There's a movie I watched. I recommended earlier this year called matter out of place. And the whole movie is just literally showing people disposing of garbage. That is the entire film. It is a documentary. And it, that's a beautiful movie. Uh, this is a movie and that's a movie I'm like, Hey, I think, you know, that's potentially worth checking out. I don't really feel the same for this. And I think it comes like the title gives you a good sense of why that is, which is like these people just, whoever made this movie does not care about creating anything that is marketable or entertaining. Right. They could have easily named this something that is like more interesting or has a better hook, but they're like, no, I'm going to call it this, uh, you know, somewhat obscure, uh, I think it's a uh, Latin text and, uh, and I- I'm going to make a movie that has just large portions of it are completely, you can't even see what's happening in most of the movie. <laughs> uh, and then it's, it's interspersed with these like very fascinating, uh, footage. This very fascinating footage of people doing surgery and like what the scopes inside the human body sees. And that stuff is actually really cool because, uh, the human body is a, a really amazing thing and it's, it looks amazing. And uh, when you like see the inside of it, like the inside of it is organized in really fascinating ways. And so if that kind of stuff interests you, I think you might like this movie, Dehumani Corporis Fabrica, but narratively there's nothing there really to, there's no real through line to carry you through the movie. Um, it, it, it kind of is one of those movies where I felt like the director was saying, fuck you like <laughs> like i do not care i do not care if you that's, enjoy this movie at all that's you know, usually like, uh, your favorite feeling yeah, from that's movie. true that is true i mean the look movie, at that title you the know. movie actively despises right, you the movie act the movie makes me feel like the movie actively despises me so i didn't like the movie but you, you i think you guys kind of get a sense of why i felt the need to sure, mention sure, it because sure. it's like it's provoking it's a provocation the movie's provoking I, i've heard right? people recommend this too because it is so unusual yeah, so, it's, yeah. Very, it's a very well, unusual know. movie I, it wasn't for me well, but you, you had yeah. to mention it otherwise it would have been a complete waste of your time <laughs> <laughs> indeed so anyway the movie is Dehumani Corporis Fabrica it is available right now on Mubi it's one thing I have been watching this week Devendra Hardwar mm-hmm. you and I both had a chance to finish A Murder at the End of the World we, yes. will, we will not give spoilers for what happens at the murder at the end of the world uh, but I'm curious whether you felt this journey was worth it all seven mm-hmm. episodes of this new uh uh, series by uh, Britt Marling and uh, her collaborator Zal Batmanglage. Yeah. yeah, it's uh listen, like I think uh, this is a nice, tight little mur- mystery series. You know, it's a murder mystery. Um, I really dug the ending. Like, I think the actual solution to everything that that happened is uh is really interesting, given everything that's going on right now. And I will not be more specific about that. But uh, if you like. Mr. Robot, if you like the girl with the dragon tattoo and things like that, um, I think the show is totally worth it. Like I recommended it when I started. And now that I've seen the whole thing is like, 
I think this is a totally sticks the landing. I kind of liked it all the way through, even though there are a lot of like red herrings along the way, but it's really well made is the thing. Like I, they shot on location in Iceland. So a lot of the, like a lot of the, the you know, locations that they're walking through or the setting for this futuristic hotel that they're visiting. Um, the hotel itself doesn't actually exist, but it is in a place where there's actually a hotel you can visit to see the Northern lights and stuff. So I think it looks really good, and um, I love the character dynamics. Like, I think it is a really sweet and earnest show about people trying to solve, you know, figure out why terrible things are happening in the world. And that's always been kind of a thing in Britt Marling's work and um, didn't quite work for me in the OA. I know people really love that show. Um, but this does kind of redeem <laughs> Britt Marling and Albert Melglidge for me uh, as just as as creators and authors. Like, they wrote the show. Uh, they both directed um i believe zal certainly gets uh several episodes um I, th- I just really love the journey i love these characters and i really like um the sort of like ensemble they put together uh emma corbin is fantastic as darby hart a sort of like a new style of investigative uh d- not journalist but a detective a new style of investigator clive owen is like deliciously um I don't know how you put it, but uh, like cantankerous, uh, cantankerous, but also nefarious. Like mm-hmm. there, there's something about him and Clive Owen. I also love how he's just like aging into his face a little too. So mm-hmm. I just, I've always loved his screen presence. I think that is really strong here. Um, people like uh, Joan Chen, I think really sell this. And also Elise Braga, who I love in everything. So I love, I love like pretty much everybody who shows up in this. It also made me a real fan of Harris Dickinson. So that's also why I'm looking forward to seeing the Iron Claw. So yeah, I really dug it. If you like those things I've mentioned, I think it's well worth the journey. Uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. I cannot agree with Devendra's assessment on this one. Uh, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was terrible, but... I think A Murder at the End of the World was a lot of wasted opportunity. Uh, As you said, it introduces this amazing ensemble cast Mm -hmm. and then essentially becomes the Darby Hart show for most of the movie. I mean, Um, that's what I was expecting. And then tons of like flashbacks to Darby Hart. So Mm -hmm. so it's like, I think it woefully underutilizes the cast that Mm -hmm. it has Um, in a way that is honestly surprising because typically for murder mysteries like this, you get to know everyone. Like when you watch, you know, Haunting in Venice or whatever, you sure, get sure. to know all the different characters and what their motivations are. Uh, any Agatha Christie movie, you know, like it, it's that is par- part of the fun of these these movies or TV shows is that you kind of, we're introduced to all these people from all different walks of life and we get to know them a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. the show really squanders it. Yeah, This is and, not like Lost where every character gets a thing right, dedicated to exactly. them, you know? Yeah, like yeah. we learn things in passing. I, I, I was interested by what I've learned about those characters, sure. but you're right. I would sure. have liked to see a little more. Yeah. And I think the way, the way in which the exposition unfolds Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the furtherance of the mystery, which I, again I will not reveal, like wh- how it resolves. I, the resolution is fine, whatever. I don't I don't really mm-hmm. have a strong feeling about it. But the way in which we got there, I thought was pretty dreadfully boring for most of it. And so I ultimately was not a fan of the show. I find it really difficult to recommend, even for people who like mystery. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's not, it's not terrible. It's not like I've seen so far worse. Like that's the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, I'm not saying it's like the worst thing I've seen or anything like that, but it's like, I I wanted to love this. I wanted to be like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, super cool. You know, like you got to check this show out. And I do think you're right that a lot of the, um, direction is very strong. Like there, the scenes are, uh, lit beautifully. They're shot beautifully. Compositionally, they're interesting. Like there's a lot of great stuff there, but 
the storytelling was just really rough for me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, it, I it is unusual yeah. in the way it relies on flashbacks to sort of like bring the story forward. It yeah. is strange in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I ultimately can't recommend it, but I'm glad Devendra liked it. It's a murder at the end of the world. It's on Hulu slash FX right now. Jeff Kanata. Uh, why don't you take us home with a couple of Christmas Yeah, specials? I'll just talk about the rest of the stuff on my list. Again, uh, all Christmas specials. Um, neither of these are particularly new, although there's elements that are new. Um, on Disney+, Plus, you know, we've been, as I've been uh, ramping up toward Christmas morning, uh, you know, we do our, our advent calendar. The kids are counting down the days to Christmas at our house. And we've also been uh, enjoying Christmas specials at night before the kids go to bed. We've been trying to find Christmas specials. And, uh, you know, there's the, the slate of ones that I grew up with. But there's a whole bunch of new ones that I've never seen before, and I'll share some of them in case listeners have not seen them or mm. heard of them either. So on Disney Plus, there is – I did not know this existed, and I couldn't believe it because I grew up with those Rankin and Bass uh, stop motion, mm-hmm. you know, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, all, all the wonderful stop motion. That's That to me is a Christmas special, right? It defined the Christmas special for me when I was a kid. And there's actually a stop motion Christmas special on Disney Plus starring all of the Mickey gang. Ah. Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Daisy, uh, the, Pluto. They're all in a, st- a true stop motion Christmas special called Mickey saves Christmas. It's adorable. It's, you know, it's made for kids. Uh, the idea being that, uh, there's a mishap with Santa Claus and Pluto, uh, knocks, I think Prancer out of the position of one of the reindeer and, uh, all the presents are lost and they have to make new presents and find Prancer, you know, typical fare for this kind of thing. But it's just so delightful to see stop motion with the Mickey gang. I mean, they, they are real physical puppets that were built and real physical sets. And this is, uh, you know, genuine stop motion. When I first started watching, I was like, is this, did they CG this to make it look like stop motion? But no, it's, it's, it, there's behind the scenes uh, stuff available online as well. Uh, and more than that. So this is, I think, a 22 minute, you know, classic. Uh, Christmas special length thing called Mickey saves Christmas. Uh, and I think it's from 2020, I want to say, or, or maybe even earlier than that. Um, but there are new versions of this shorts each, I think only two minutes long. So really short, but I think there's like four or five of them called uh, Christmas tales, Mickey's Christmas tales. Uh, and um, they are a, a return to, they pick up really where, Mickey saves Christmas left off and they are the same stop motion style. So very delightful to watch. I, my daughter in particular is a huge Mickey mini, the Mickey gang fan. Uh, and so to see them in a, a true Christmas special, I mean, there's lots of Mickey Christmas content on Disney plus, but to see stop motion, it just warmed my heart and was really a delight to watch. That brings me to my final one, which is my biggest recommendation. Mm-hmm. There is a Mickey Christmas special on Disney Plus called Mickey, I think Mickey, uh, a Mickey Mouse Christmas special, Duck the Halls. Duck the Halls, a Mickey Christmas special. Hmm. This is the story of this, the, the, the basic plot is that 
uh, Donald and Daisy and all the ducks, Scrooge, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie, all the duck characters in the universe uh, are migrating south for the winter to get out of the cold. But Mickey and Minnie and Goofy are going to be having a wonderful holiday celebration. And Donald does not want to leave, doesn't want to miss out on the holiday celebration. So he decides not to migrate south for the winter. But he's a duck and he needs to migrate south because it's not good for, for his body. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you, Donald. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you hear me? Oh, boy. Um, anyway. <laughs> This wow, isn't what, just what an excuse. There, the speed, Did Donald Duck the get on the podcast? switching back and forth is really incredible. Is not, what are you talking about? Donald yeah. Duck just came on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just an excuse for me to do that. I, uh-huh. uh, I want to tell you guys that of all the Mickey content I have ever witnessed, mm-hmm. and I, in recent years, because my five-year-old daughter is, like I said, super into Mickey and friends, I've watched much more than I had ever watched in, in my life. So mm-hmm. I've, I've watched a fair amount of it. Duck the Halls <laughs> is bonkers. Like, I don't know how this got made. Oh, it is worth out. watching. Worth watching. It's like John Chris Faluzzi got to make a Mickey Christmas special. That's it's, cool. This is Ren and Stimpy Mickey style. It is Mickey, you know, by way of Ren and Stimpy. It is absolutely insane. And I, I, I literally don't know how anybody at Disney allowed their characters to be used this way. So first of all, just to, just right off the top as an example of what we're talking about here, this is not made for kids. It, my kids liked it. It's not made for kids. Oh. There is a, there's a flashback sequence where Mickey is remembering Christmas of old. And there's all these mouse characters that we've never seen. And there's these twins that are the twins from the shining. <laughs> it's rated it's, TVG, Jeff. Come on. Uh, they, sh- it's the, tw- it's a, it's the twins from the shining. So like the kids don't know that. You know that. Of course the quiz, kids don't know that. But what I'm telling you is the references, <laughs> the it, it's for adults. This mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's palatable to kids. There's nothing overtly offensive for kids. But it is, this was not made for kids. I this mean, this is, is made- like the new the new DuckTales reboot, too. Like, a lot mm. of the new stuff is really good for adults. Like, it's just, it's funny. It's really Let me good. also tell you, the animation uh-huh. style is, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Mickey ride, uh, Mickey's yeah. Runaway Railroad at, at Toontown. Uh, they just installed, it's one of the newest rides at Disneyland. It, it uses this kind of retro uh, look to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, Duck the Halls is kind of like, but it is so bizarre. It mm-hmm. starts there in that kind of retro-y look, but I'm telling you, it's more Ren and Stimpy. Goofy is grotesque looking. I'm looking at screenshots here. Goofy, Goofy has like uh, face moles and stubble, and it's just he's, like he's grotesque. Oh right? my god, it's, his teeth are sticking out. Dude, like, and, what? and so I told you the premise, which is Donald does not want to go south for the winter. He wants to survive the winter, mm-hmm. the actual winter. But his body cannot do it. And you watch him go insane. You watch him deteriorate and lose his mind. That's it me is, during winter. Yeah. It is. It's it's like watching a drug trip. <laughs> it's. I can't believe they made this, dude. It is very fun. It's hilarious. It's over the top. It's weird. It's I, I, like. 
I would recommend adults, even if you don't have kids, but you're into mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse in any way, check out Duck the Halls, a Mickey Mouse Christmas special. It I really want to check this out. It yeah, was made yeah. in 2016. So maybe a lot of people knew about it. I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, we just stumbled upon it. And I was like, oh, I like that art style. It looks like, uh, you know, it's, that, it's like right. retro HD almost. It's like what Cuphead would be if it's even smoother. Well, yeah. There's a video game called uh, Mickey's Illusion Island that mm-hmm. came out this year that uses that art style. Uh, it's, but it's, yeah, it's sort of like Rayman uh, or, you know, yeah, like Cuphead or it's very, very weird. And this show goes places. Let me tell you, it goes places. That's cool. I, I just, I couldn't believe it got made. Uh, and, uh, so I, if you've never seen it worth watching, it's only, I think it's only 22 minutes as well. Um, oh, it's just shame. weird. I, w- I would love like a little more of this, but I'm soul Jeff. I'm going to check this out. Yeah. Uh, the writers also have worked on really cool things like Steven feature, uh, Steven universe feature. So I, c- I could tell like, you know, these are people working on modern animation, yeah. not just kids stuff. So that's yeah. cool. Cool. Uh, well that's Mickey saves Christmas and duck the halls, right? Yeah, and Chris, uh, Mickey's Christmas Tales is the follow-up to Mickey Saves Christmas. Gotcha. All right, and those are all the things that we have been watching this week. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with the rest of the episode right after this. All right, folks, let's get to a few weekly plugs. Weekly plugs are part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Gentlemen... I uh, try to be thoughtful in the content I put out into the world. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I make a lot of videos, make a lot of podcasts. Uh, I try to entertain as well as enlighten. You know, yeah, you try to bring something of value to the world. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. That's mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Now, eighty to ninety percent of the time, when I put something onto the internet that I'm proud of. I get rewarded by TikTok and Instagram with, you know, uh, three three thousand views, five thousand views. You know, it's not nothing, it's not nothing, but uh, certainly is discouraging given the amount of work I put into those videos. This last week, I decided to film a thirty second video of myself vacuuming my bed. Now, mm-hmm. I saw this on TikTok, where basically once every week. Uh, or this this woman's like has this had this regimen where once a week she would wash her bed sheets and then vacuum her bed. Now is right? this mm-hmm. are you standing on the bed with a full stand up uh you gotta use the Dyson va- uh, you gotta use the Dyson, use the Dyson okay. stick, yeah. vacuum. St- stick vacuum and right. it's just it's just a I, video of me I saying do like, like the idea though of you literally walking yes. around on your bed with the stand up vacuum cleaner. Right. Uh-huh. So, so I saw this woman say, "Hey, you got to vacuum your bed." Now, I had already done this before, but I was like, "I haven't made a video about it to demonstrate it." So, I I vacuumed the bed and then showed how much shit gets picked up into the the canister. Was it a lot uh, of shit? It is a shockingly large amount of stuff that goes into it's that. All canister. your dead skin. This all your all there. your dead skin. But I have uh, to ask: Did that lady use a mattress protector? Mm, you know, Devendra, I've you heard. You got it. You got to do it. So let me just t- say this, um, uh-huh. that video, uh, since in the, I guess, as we're recording this in the three or four days it's been published has received over 4.2 million views. Um, Your video? My video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, people got to vacuum their beds. I that, guess. that is more Look people at this than filthy more, man. They say that is more people than watched the series finale of succession. 
And uh, and I, I you know I I made this observation online, and and people said, well, of course, I mean. Everyone has a bed. Not everyone cares about what's going on with these billionaires. <laughs> uh, Not everyone and, is trying to divest their multi-billion-dollar media yeah, empire. That's exactly right. Some of us have beds to vacuum. Yes, yeah. but you know what's interesting about Succession and that video? Both of them feature somebody dying inside. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway, anyway. Uh, uh, so, so Devendra, in the time since that video has been published, so the, the end of your vacuuming <laughs> video is you sitting on a bench, staring out. At the, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, uh, the um, uh, Devendra, because of the millions of people that have watched that video, uh-huh. I've gotten a lot of opinions in the comments. <laughs> About how well I'm vacuuming, like cleaning myself. You are know, you ra- are you transitioning to be a all vacuuming <laughs> TikTok feed now? Just but, the vacuuming guy. You know, one of the things people said is, "Hey, like get a get a mattress protector. Get a know? mattress protector. Get a mattress. Yeah. Like, why aren't you using that?" A lot of people pointed out that there is an attachment that is specifically for bed usage. I used the one uh, that you use on the floor, like Ugh. a filthy. In the barbarian, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I, I I've learned a lot about cleaning in the home. Since How that does video the was gunk published. transition between the sheet barrier? Just mm. like goes through, man. She's just cloth. It's not waterproof. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what is waterproof are the mattress protectors mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. PSA for everybody. Like I mean, I have kids, so that's why. But yeah, in New York, it was like a big thing because you never want like bed bugs to at least get to your mattress. There's always yeah. a threat of bed bugs. You got to protect everything. Get a mattress protector, folks. It is super, super useful. You could just wash it. Yeah, Great. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, again, m- many things I'm learning. And so if you want to see a piece of content that dwarfs <laughs> literally anything else I've made over the last two months, uh, go to my TikTok channel at tiktok.com slash at Dave Chensky. And Dave, please somebody uh, yeah. remix it with the succession theme. That's what we <laughs> <Did> need. <you? laughs> That's so good. Did you title that video De Humani Corpus Fabrica? <laughs> No, because I, I wanted it to be the opposite of that. It should, that well, movie. it should be the, the filth of the human body. I, I human wanted body. it to be so accessible, Jeff. You know, it's, I wanted it to be the opposite of that. So anyway, uh, check out my I TikTok. I can imagine thing. the director of that movie, by the way, watching this TikTok and be like, that's all I got to do. 30 <laughs> seconds. Look, I'm washing, uh, vacuuming his bed. Instead, I have a- I spent months making this movie. I have a rarely seen documentary on movie. What's going on here? <laughs> my worry uh, is that the creators of <laughs> Succession will watch that and think that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did get some people reaching out to me from like middle school that I haven't heard of in like decades. Being like, hey, I saw your vacuuming video. It's always weird. Like, it's always weird when a piece of content like escapes yeah. your your sphere of. So you go and viral and vacuum talk. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that's my weekly plug. Divinder Hardware, your weekly plug. I have nothing so viral, but a weird thing happening is that Apple at the moment cannot sell its latest Apple watches. So on the latest Engadget podcast, we talked about what is going on with that sales ban. Um, we also brought in uh, Christina Farr, who's a health tech investor. I used to work with her when she was a reporter to to help just like figure out what's going on. But it turns out Apple is a little a little sneaky. Mm. Tends to hire people from other companies and just I, like I start heard about re- this. I, reproducing I heard that, like, their tech. Yeah, I heard like the guy in charge of the company basically has this vendetta against Apple. I mean, I would, I would, absolutely. But yeah, the head of the CEO of Massimo. Yeah, this has been going on for over a decade. He, um, he's dedicated like I'm sure millions of dollars to this uh-huh. lawsuit. You know, and 
Uh, it looks like he's on the winning side at this point. I, so, I, well, yeah. Apple hired their chief scientist in like 2013 and then went on to develop very similar technology to what Massimo was working on. So, you know, they had the means, they had the motive. The The thing is like, I don't know, we, we can, we got to look to proof, right? And that's yeah. the thing we don't have. Yeah, it, it makes me ask the question, you know, if if I owned a tech company and Apple hired my chief scientist and then went on to make a very similar product, mm-hmm. how many years and millions of dollars would I spend trying to, would I dedicate to taking Apple down? And I think most people, the answer would be zero. Um, but this guy has go- been at this for years and it's it's finally been going well for him. So, yeah, I think uh, Apple ultimately may have to license their technology yeah. or something. But yeah, yeah, he used to keep up the fight. It's a really interesting thing. And you cannot buy an Apple Watch Series 9 or Ultra 2 from Apple right now, which is just wild to I'm me. I'm thinking of like snapping one up as like a collector's item. You That's know, the like, other thing too. Like I was like, oh, I mean... You mean they're not selling it for a bit? Best Buy and everywhere else still is still selling it. It's still being sold at third-party retailers. Right, it's just right. Apple that can't. But right. it's funny how it's working as sort of like a psychological marketing trick. It's like, I, they're, they're yeah. going to go away? Should go. Yeah, perceived uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, scarcity. Scarcity, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that's Davinger's Weekly Plug. Check out the Engadget podcast. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Well, it's that time of year where, you know, we like to look back on the year that was and on my other podcast, DLC, which is all about video games and the video game industry. uh, We just recorded our end of the year favorites. Uh, We do a top five because anybody can do top 10. Top 10 is for (laughs) is for wimps. You you got 10 spots. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. If you got five spots. Now we're making some cuts. Now we're mm. making some hard decisions. So we do our top five favorite games of the year. Uh, we also do uh, other categories. We do some uh, we do top five underdogs, you know, uh, diamonds in the rough kind of uh, dark horse candidates that wouldn't be our six through 10, but our games that just were so interesting, smaller games that we just wanted to mention them again at the end of the year. We have, you know, most biggest disappointment. We have lots of really cool categories. Uh, our friend Anthony Tarmina comes on every year. So it's, it's three of us doing top fives of the year, looking back on the biggest news stories. If you're interested in video games at all, check it out. It's available at dlcpod.com. Uh, and then uh, the first of the year show is even more crazy, but I'm sure I'll I'll talk about that at a future episode. Yeah, I, was, I, I love your predictions episode each year. Oh, it's man. always a really it's well good done. This year, yeah. this yeah. year we got our, our friend Lana Bashinsky to join us. She's a uh, uh, senior uh, developer at, at Riot Games and one of our, our close friends. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll be talking about that, I'm sure, on a future weekly plugs. But for now, check it out. Check out dlcpod.com. Always want to give a shout out to patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive after darks. We never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. If you want to support us for free, very easy to do so. Leave a star rating for us or a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Share about the podcast. It really does help. Let's get to our review of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Four years ago, I was basically unemployed. A wanderer with no home. But now, I'm a husband and a father, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't know how you did it, Pops. My job was a little less stressful than yours. Oh yeah, I finally got a job. I'm the king of Atlantis. billion people from every known species in the sea call this place home 
that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear. I'm gonna murder his family and burn his kingdom to ash. Welcome to the Filmcast review of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. After failing to defeat Aquaman for the first time, Black Manta wields the power of the mythic Black Trident to unleash an ancient and malevolent force. Hoping to end his reign of terror, Aquaman forges an unlikely alliance with his brother Orm, the former king of Atlantis, end quote. So in addition to being a sequel to James Wan's smash hit Aquaman movie, this is also the end of the Snyderverse, guys. This this is how it all ends. Is yep. now there will be remnants of the Snyderverse that live on, is my understanding. I think, um, for instance, uh, James Gunn has already said the Blue Beetle character. He plans to bring that character back, that version of the character back. But like, this is this is essentially the end of it. Um, and I, I, we should acknowledge that it has had a very very rough year. Uh, there was. Shazam, Fury of the Gods, there was mm-hmm. The Flash, and there was Blue Beetle. None the of Flash those... was this year? Yeah. Good God. Yeah, wild, none right? of those movies did well. Uh-huh. Uh, none of those movies were hits. As we are recording this, we don't know how well this movie is going to do, but I think it will it's struggle. It's not tracking well. Yeah. It, it will struggle to reach a billion dollars at the as the original film did. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is kind of the end of this set of characters for this version of this universe. The question for you, Devinder Hardwar, is does Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom send the Snyderverse out with a bang or with a whimper? What do you think? More Splash. like a more like a huh? <laughs> <laughs> like a, that's it. Uh I did I did not hate this movie. Like I actually avoided the reviews and Rotten Tomatoes stuff until like I actually saw it. I had a lot of fun with this movie as a sort of like, oh, this is James Wan's um, you know, his version of David Lynch's Dune. It's very Krull. It's very like cheesy 80s sci-fi at times. And I appreciated the vision that was on screen because there is like a fully realized world. There are really interesting creatures. There are some like there are actual sets that look bonkers and insane. It's like, why, why did you build that large? Why did you build that giant set? It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. And people look ridiculous in it (laughs) often, especially, um, especially who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Randall Park. Poor Randall Park just does, does you know, does, does not get much love in this movie because he just gets the most ridiculous uh, dialogue and scenes. This is not a good movie, but I did have a good time watching it because I think some of it is enjoyable. I love the first Aquaman, um, but I also know plenty of people who hate that movie. And the people who hate that movie will despise, like, will think this is a scum of the earth. Like, this movie is a mess, totally. Um, but I can't, like, I can't deny I had some fun with it. Like, James Wan, even when he is producing a mess occasionally there will be sparks of brilliance or some really cool set pieces or action scenes. I wish there were more of those. I wish this movie didn't, uh, apparently it feels like very purposefully sideline Amber Heard's character. And there were rumors of what was going on with her because of the whole Johnny Depp thing. It's also dumb. Um, but yeah, it feels weirdly disjointed. Um, it's just not as fun as the first movie. And that's a damn shame. I mean, I think this movie is getting so unfairly, hand right now it has a 36 percent on it's very fashionable to to pan this movie right and and i just don't think it's even the worst superhero film i've seen in the last two months yes yeah this is no Um, quantum mania you know yeah i mean yeah so i'm a little bit surprised at the reaction that said jeff canada what did you think of aquaman and the lost kingdom 
Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hmm, interesting. He's kind of the DCU's Thor. And the first one was fun, so make more. But let me explain to you, it's like Quantumania, a bombastic, effects-laden bore. Wow. Wow. Nicely, I am nicely nothing if not fashionable, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And if it is fashionable to trans this movie, <laughs> I loved the first Aquaman. You you will remember, you will recall, I believe I was the most enthusiastic. No, I think the we three were both us. into it. And I remember Dave being kind of cool on it. But yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. That's, I had that's a great about time right. with that first Aquaman it. movie. Yeah. I really think that was one of the highlights of this era of yes. DCU films. Was that mm -hmm. first Aquaman movie super fun? I did not enjoy any of this. Really. Wow. I mean, that's not true. Momoa like can't help but be charming. He's just a charming dude. And when yeah. he gets to be irreverent and funny and kind of taking the piss out of everything, he, he's great. And and they and take do... and taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, he does <laughs> several do <that> times. <laughs> uh, they do that thing that they have done with the, you know, the YTT version mm -hmm. of Thor, which is he's this, you know, um mythological like creature yeah. that's also kind of he's like broy he's like broy bro. and goofy yeah. and yeah. and subversive and he'll subvert the scene and all that and like you can't help but dig it when he throws out a you know a a, a cool line and he's you know he, he's winking at the audience right mm -hmm. he's just good i just like momoa he's great he's very is charismatic he, yeah. is, he, is he as fun in this movie as he is in the last fast and the furious movie not even close mm -hmm. right I didn't really care for that movie either, but Momoa is super fun in that he doesn't even get as much a chance to shine in his own star turn sequel as he did in, you know, being the villain in, in a Fast and the Furious movie with that's full of people. Anyway, I digress. The point is, I think, I think this, you know, you just said quantum mania. I put it in the limerick because I think this is quantum mania. This is I, I, yeah. exactly what was wrong with quantum mania is this movie, which is, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? You can put the visuals that are in this movie in this movie and just flood, pun entirely intended, flood the frame with nonsense, just the most wild visuals you've ever seen. But does that mean you should? Like, it's cacophony. This movie is just just in my opinion co completely collapses under the weight of its budget the fact that they had this much money to spend on this movie did not make it better it made it worse there is too much that doesn't have any barrier there's no humanity to this movie they they throw a baby in which you heard in the trailer they throw a baby in to just be a macguffin there's no actual humanity there's no actual connection between people they try really really hard to create this dynamic between momoa and patrick wilson that didn't exist in the first movie doesn't exist now isn't fun isn't interesting in my opinion i, I just struggle to enjoy anything and you know there are a couple of moments in this movie where there's like a hand-to-hand -hand combat scene mm -hmm. where Juan goes, Oh, we could just shoot this without just have fun. Yeah. All the, all the CG in the world. Mm -hmm. And you go, Oh, that's actually pretty cool. But then there's just so much CG 
density everywhere, just like Quantumania had, which is like, what, what am I even trying to process in this frame? There's no clarity. There's no, there's just more. There's not better. There's just more. And there's so much coming at me all the time. There's these giant set pieces from like, there's this sequence where they're like running through a forest with this, all this stuff. It's like, what are we even looking at? What is even it's a, happening? It becomes here? an Indiana Jones movie at times. Like it becomes so many different weird things. Yeah. It's just, it has no idea what it wants to be. It wants to be everything all at once. It wants to be, it wants, to, you know, the best set piece action sequences also feel essential to the storytelling of the movie. They're not like, let's take 15 minutes and step outside our movie and give you this bombastic thing mm -hmm. and then we'll come back. And that's constantly what it feels like in this movie is like, oh, now it's time for the crazy CGI scene. And like, I don't have a problem with CGI at all. I, you know, I will point to Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3 this year as like, I said it in my review, I think I said mm -hmm. it in my limerick at the time, was this is how you do this level of CG, like it was clear, it was focused, it was there to provide texture and world building and not just be like this, this uh, fire hose of, uh, of imagery. It's just like what the, the amount of man hours that's on display, the amount of dollars that's on display in this film for what, for what, like, what are you, what story are you even telling me here? It's just, it's such a shame because mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that first Aquaman movie and I was legitimately looking forward to this one. Yeah. I mean, I feel you, Jeff. Um, I will just lay out like the differences I see between this and like Quantumania because, yes, they are both full of effects and CG and whatnot. But there was something distinctly empty and vacuous about Quantumania. Maybe it I was the scenes, but maybe here. it was the scenes of them running around the freaking volume sets where as you're watching it, you're like, oh, they're in like a one, you know, 100 square, like a very small area. But they're kind of running around a few physical things and the backgrounds are entirely made up. Whereas here, you will get some scenes where it's like, oh, they built like a freaking cave, right? And the camera will follow them from the beginning of the cave, go up, go down, go through. Like it is a physical thing. And I think that physicality is good. And I do think like the, the design work of like the sea creatures and stuff and of how you present Atlantis. At some point, they go into like a high speed water tunnel or something. They don't really explain it. I was like, oh, that's cool. A society would come up with that. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> Whereas quantum media is like, why are there humans here? <laughs> why? Why any of this? Whereas I, I, I left, I didn't have as many of those questions here, but I agree. Looking at these two movies, it, it could look like similar problems. I, I, I don't think they're as far as apart as, as all mm -hmm. that, but I, I, I'm glad you got more out of it than I did. I, I really felt like this is just another example of the worst excesses in this mm -hmm this late stage superhero era where it's like, oh, we have $300 million, $250 million to spend and let's just spend it without any yeah. actual reason, you know, necessity to spend it. Mm -hmm. I'm more on Devendra's side on this one. You know, I think uh, wow. that the, the movie was just fine in my opinion. You know, there was nothing, I, but there's a lot of people that find it pretty, pretty terrible. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I guess, uh, my expectations were pretty low. You know, you know, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I didn't love the first Aquaman. I thought, hey, that was fun. And this one was like maybe slightly less fun than the first Aquaman. And that's kind of what it was. And I thought the Patrick Wilson, Jason Momoa dynamic 
worked for me. Patrick Wilson's a straight man. Jason Momoa's trying to have fun. Uh, Patrick the whole Wilson, did you did you bring water to me in the desert prison thing like that? Things like that got me. Right, like, pa- no, Patrick, it all. Patrick Wilson, you know, wants to be king, and Jason Momoa doesn't, and. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, it all worked for me. It, you know, th- their acting styles are really different, and so like I think that also kind of helped with things. Uh, I think that Devendra makes some good points about how the movie tries to do things to make you feel as though you are in an actual physical space, whether it's successful or not. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. decide. I also think that, uh, as Devendra indicated. You know, James Wan got his start as a horror director. Like most of his movies have been horror films, and this movie clearly shows lots of horror inspirations. This, there's a lot of dark fantasy in that, here. Yeah, yeah that yeah. I really, that I really dig. Um, one of the earlier scenes has a, a innocent bystander being dragged <laughs> away by a sea creature, and like it looks like, wow, this is from like. It's pretty, I mean, the basic like setup the of the story of, is the opening scene of like Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's like really horror. It's like terrifying, and uh, the the there's like. These ships that the characters use that are like octopus style shit. They have like uh-huh. eight like legs and whatever. And, and yep. then inside the inside the cockpit, you see that there's like a handle for every All these rods and like, handles. I don't even know how that would even work. But there's a ship that uh, just has a big steering wheel. And I guess they everybody got costumes. <laughs> everybody got like uniforms to wear. It's like, okay, we're part of a crew. Crew's yeah. got a match. It's so okay. dumb. It's yeah. so big dumb. steering wheel that she's standing in yeah, front yeah, yeah. of. Whoa. <laughs> What? But and, I remember watching Krull for the first time, right? Or even David Lynch's Dune, where it's like, oh, this is so silly. This is so dumb. But I'm having a good time with how dumb it is. And I kind of get the sense that at least James Wan had it, like, was having fun with how cheesy this is. Whereas I remember Quantumania just being like, oh, there, there's no vision here. There's no energy here. There's no, like, you're not giving me anything. Whereas... This is giving me supreme silliness. People in rubbery outfits, uh, commanding giant steering wheels, um, saying terrible dialogue, who apparently have figured out how all this uh, technology has worked. It's uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. I was laughing at it, but I also enjoyed laughing at it. I, but I know. think there's like there is yeah. a bit of self-awareness on James yeah. Wan's. Yeah. Like he's talked about it in interviews. Like I think there's a self-awareness that like, hey, this is really cheesy. Oh, I will also say this. I actually think that the Aquaman suit looks pretty cool. You know, very shiny. rad. Yeah. I very love shiny. the suit. It's which awesome. is like, which is not uh, a, a self-evident thing that they would be able to figure that out. Do you think they, that's a physical thing that he's wearing, or is it CG? It looks like a physical thing to me. You know, it looks like I'm reacting sure. to light yeah. better than like the Marvel suits do. I think there were yeah. yeah. entire scenes of the movie where I was just looking at the suit. Yeah, yeah. suit's yeah. good because the dialogue yeah. was entirely missable. The things they make Nicole Kidman say in this movie—it's <laughs> amazing. Poor Nicole yeah. Kidman. Poor Dolph Lundgren. Poor everybody. Yeah. 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 <sighs> All right. Well, anyway, I think Devendra and I had some mild fun with this one. And I, Jeff- I will say, I was shocked that the post-credit scene was just <laughs> James Gunn coming out and going, disregard all of this. <laughs> delete, delete. Don't was, worry about any of this. It's that was all odd. gone now. That was odd. That was odd. All right. <laughs> it was odd. We have a few spoilers to discuss. So let's get to spoilers for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right, let's talk about some of the stuff that happens towards the end of this movie. I mean... Lord, Lord of the Rings. We're just going to do Lord of the Rings, right? Well, so, that was yeah. so weird. Where he, like, at one point, Patrick Wilson starts describing the history of the Seven Kingdoms, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, 
Yeah. What is the point of any of this? Like this exactly. <laughs> why why are you choosing this point in the movie to introduce this information? So dumb. It, 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 if the the right way to do it is like set it up in the prologue. Yeah. Like have the a right way to do it is at like, the beginning with yeah. the Cape Blanchett voiceover. Yes. That's how we do this. Okay. <laughs> it was baffling though. I'm like, what, yeah. what yeah. is going on here? If only like, why there was even... some template that has been <laughs> yeah. well established about how to do this. Yeah, I mean. Look, it's there's so a lot, dumb. There's a lot of weaknesses in the movie. Like a lot of stuff is not explained. Mm-hmm. The the fuel that they're harvesting and like what's going on. Or a calcum, which what? by the way is a deep cut because yeah. in a I used I used to study like classical history and shit. Like yeah. or a calcum <laughs> is a thing that has yeah. been mentioned in Atlantean texts, like mm. texts about Atlantis. So, I used yeah. or a calcum in my D campaign. Nice. It's, nice. It's, yeah. It sounds good too. It's yeah. fun to say, but it's bad yeah. to hear other people say it, I guess, in a script. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. I, I want to highlight a few things that happened in this movie. First of mm-hmm. all, <laughs> it was wild to me that one ship could do this much damage. Like in the one grip, ship, this one ship comes in to steal the Oracalcum into Atlantis, <laughs> which is basically like an underwater Wakanda, like uh-huh. in terms of yeah. the advanced technology. Yeah. And this I one mean, ship is just... the end of the movie is the Wakandan speech, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And, and it's basically this one ship that doesn't, doesn't have any like particularly advanced technology is able to just like completely lay waste to this. Like Listen, it has ancient technology, ancient suits, ancient <laughs> steering wheel, <laughs> What about when the, it was ridiculous. This what about, just like it's just yeah, like yeah. destroying property. It's a submarine. It's barely a ship. It's a submarine. And, and yeah. then it's like, and then like, and then barely gets out of there. And I'm like, they're water people. Why would they make a submarine? <laughs> they live in the water. It's <laughs> so true. What about the uh, the fact that the whales can sing their way to destroying something? I mean, mm. I love it. I love it. This is the year. Uh, well, that was pretty cool, though. Including no, Avatar 2. This is the year of whales taking revenge. They've had enough in real the, life, The too. question is, why didn't they use that skill earlier in the film? You know, that's what I wanted, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what's it's what, what's so wrong with dumb. whales singing their way to victory, Jeff Kanata? I think that's a very reasonable. No, I, I sing your way to victory, by all means. Sing your way to just destroying a submarine. Like, <laughs> we'll sing it to death. That's sing what we'll the, do. I, I was yeah. expecting like a, like a good music drop or something, just blasted <laughs> underwater to really annoy them. And that would be a James Gunn move. Whereas... Mm. I guess we did not. I mean, get we that did here. get a bunch of like contemporary mu- yeah. music drops in this Some movie. Yeah. Drops. A lot. Uh, the um, <laughs> so many dumb things. There's one cool thing uh-huh. I thought was cool. I did like throwing the second trident through yes. the first. Yeah, trident. that was cool. Yes. That was a cool moment. That was cool. Cool that moment. Was cool. cool moment. I mean, I, do, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I think oddly, the movie feels like it is trying to do too many things. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, there is this thing where this plotline of like Jason Momoa bonding with his dad, Tamira, Tamira Morrison, in the movie, mm-hmm. and that's like that's like nice. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, or, boy, w- wouldn't it be cool if like that was actually like a, a really prominent theme in the movie? Him you know, being like, a dad, like. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of the movie is like I'm a dad now. I was like, oh, yeah. that's yeah, that's a, a movie cool, about yeah. Where's like, the mom? Yeah, <laughs> where's the mom of that whole opening? Yeah. Where's Amber Heard? Because yeah. they're still together. Yeah, that's still but her it's like, son. But then it's like, hey, let's completely jettison that yeah. theme. Yeah. Like we're not even the only deal reason with the it. baby is there is to do the blood thing at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not. Yeah. They don't need my blood. Yeah. And then uh, and then Tamir Morrison is fine. Like he just ends up like it's good. 
he he was mortally wounded, but well, then the guy like, goes, no. "I'm definitely not going to kill you." So <laughs> for that, plot reasons, yeah, yeah, so that you see how bad I am. Yeah, so yeah. dumb. It's uh, so then, dumb. but then it's like okay, they have to mm-hmm. develop this relationship between mm-hmm. Aquaman and uh, his brother, and then uh, and then theoretically set up the seven kingdoms for what I assume are future thing, you know, like, and so know. the movie just tries to shove in a bunch of different things that like they don't. And, and, and also like, honestly, the fact that it was this Manta character from the first movie mm-hmm. made this movie kind of feel like a DVD special feature plot wise. It's literally a rehash of the first movie. It's kind of like well, same scenario. Like, Remember, yeah. we got to tie up this loose end from the yeah. first movie. Who you was know, like, clamoring for the two of them to become good guys? Like, who was like, "Oh man, I really wish he would." He and Patrick Wilson would do a buddy cop movie. I think it was they, Jason Momoa because he has a story credit on this movie. So maybe. I don't know. Like, they, well, but there's know. a line where he's he calls. He's like, "Hey, come on, Loki," and I was like, "You just acknowledged the thing you're ripping off. That you're doing a poorer version of uh, this it's movie like, ends with I am Iron Man. You know, well, like, but like yeah. it's all Marvel, just pulling. Yeah, it, it is such a microcosm. And I know this mm-hmm. is my bugaboo, and I know everybody's gonna be like, "You're such a Marvel zombie." Whatever. I I own it. But it is such a microcosm of everything that's been wrong with the way they did the DCU this time is they, you know, the Mar- Marvel like established Loki has a whole movie where he's the bad guy, have another movie where he's the bad guy with Thor. And then we get the turn. Then mm-hmm. we pull him in. The, like the, the we, you, you think Loki is awesome and has his own sort of stuff going on. And then we put them together in the buddy cop thing. And now it's like, and matters. It means something. It's something we wanted. No one thought that about Patrick Wilson's character. No one. And, and then you, and then you acknowledge it by calling him Loki and being like, we're doing the exact same thing. The other company did, but we're doing it worse. It's there, so there's, I, I think yeah. Jeff, you are looking back on the MCU with rose colored glasses. Okay. <laughs> Thor got a complete personality transplant for Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that, it, yeah. but it's just like, it was not as well it is, planned. It is okay we for movies yeah. to do stuff like that in this, in my opinion. So like, I'm l- way less well, angry I'm just saying about it than you are. The, the acknowledge the tip of the hat to yes. like, we're doing the same shit, but worse it's like the the, we, the reason it's worse mm-hmm. is because literally nobody watched that first Aquaman movie and went, man, you know what would be rad is more of that Patrick Wilson character. But people watched Loki and went, man, he's rad. I mm-hmm. want more of that okay. Loki character. That's I'll grant you that. I'll give you that. I, that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, yeah. I personally did want more of that Patrick Wilson yes. character because I thought I, he was pretty I think good Patrick Wilson in the first is pretty movie. Cool. I think he is pretty cool. I, this is yeah. not yeah. an attack on Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Man would crush me. Have you seen his pecs? (laughs) I've seen his pecs. Okay, you have to admit that was kind of cool the way they made him. They did like the Captain America, like, giving him like a, you know, the emaciated body. body. Emaciated body. And then all of a sudden he's like, like, okay, that moment when he gets the water washing over him. It's a very. That's a cool moment, Jeff. This movie is so 80s because it's very much the, oh man, I was emaciated then. Splash. <laughs> this movie is knowingly cheesy. And that's the thing. Like, I, I think I was yeah. just like on the vibe of how cheesy it was and enjoying that. And people behind me uh, in the theater too were like cackling at it, not because it was dumb, but they were like enjoying what they were seeing too. So it's a weird balance. I don't know. I feel like James Wan just did not gave no shits, right? Like it's all the Marvel references. You're ending with, I am Iron Man, literally like ending with like the Wakanda sequence too. It's a, uh, he, I, he knew like there were there was nothing after this. So I do he think put it you're all right. 
I, I do think you're right, Jeff, that there is something like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Look, the DC universe has, has been a mixed bag, but there have been some good things. About Agreed. That. Agreed. And, but I think from the beginning, it is an entire creative enterprise that has spawned out of trying to imitate another successful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this, there's something about this movie and particularly the way it ends, right? As Devendra indicated, it's cloying. That is, that is like, Kind of like we have we have reached the logical endpoint of this enterprise, which is just straight up acknowledging we're ripping these people off. Right? There's, some, there's something like poetic about. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, mask off. At, yeah, mask yeah. off. At the end of the day, we are just trying to be Marvel. That's kind of what <laughs> we it just is. want and you to like us. Get a step yeah, bill again, please. Yeah, and, and you may find it cloying. Some people might find it. What's the opposite of cloying? Endearing. Le- Endearing. No, that's too strong. Less cloying. <laughs> 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 I'll grant you that. Yeah. Some may find yeah, it. Some less may cloying. find it less cloying. You know, <laughs> some may find it like a tiny bit charming, per- perhaps. You know, um, like the younger brother that's always trying to like make a science project that's as good as the older brother. You know, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I, the the ending did kind of that that did irritate me. I have to say, like that that it, I was kind of like. Oh really? This is this mm-hmm. is where it's you're this not even going to try to be original anymore at this point. Like, but I guess I'm pretty sure I, people know I Aquaman exists as well. Like he was, they were doing stuff. They were fighting aliens and trying yeah, to save yeah. the world. Like, that yeah, was, that's weird. It's weird. Also, weird. Did you guys have that moment <laughs> where he's like, he's like, I know somebody that could help, and I was like, Superman, maybe? <laughs> Any of your super friends? Yeah, like no. Wonder Woman. I don't know these extremely powerful people you've hung out with. No, maybe my, uh, my physically incapacitated brother who hates me. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh, how about man. the evil guy who was the problem last time? No, 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 no. Literally, the entire world is at stake. Maybe call Wonder Woman. Maybe call one of them. What is Superman doing? Who knows? He's taking a hot sun. It's wild that Wonder Woman showed up in like. I think she was in Shazam. Yeah. Um, you know, like, but didn't show up in this movie, which yeah. is like ostensibly like a bigger film. So mm-hmm. anyway. I, well, I think they'd already given up by that point. <laughs> I know I know how to fix the ending of this movie, by the way, everybody. You keep the I am Aquaman line, do a beat. You hear somebody in the crowd go, We know. <laughs> Cut to credits. Cut to credits. <laughs> well done, Devendra. So well done. it's so weird. That that moment was so because it's it it's played like a, a applause line mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. what the <laughs> what are we doing? Right. I, I'll mention a couple of last things. You know, like I, I think like James Wan's creature designs. Uh, so you know, cool. I, he's not the one yeah. that is he he doesn't do creature design, but he like oversees it obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dude, but Martin you, you could, Short, Martin yeah. Short shows up as a creature in this movie as Jabba mm. the Hutt. <laughs> It's or Java. the, the yeah. head. He's the head of the Gungans, is what he is. <laughs> he's the Gungan king that they go and see in yeah. episode yeah. one. So yeah. I think all the That's creature true. designs are are cool, you know, and some of them are like genuinely terrifying. Um, I I have to tell you guys. Here's another extremely random observation. You know that whole Titanic Ocean Gate submersible thing that happened mm-hmm. in 2023. That has ruined. <laughs> All underwater movies for me, um, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Whenever I'm watching underwater, don't movies, watch the abyss again. I have yeah. yeah, I have two reactions. Number one, uh, b- those suits would not be able to withstand that pressure. Mm-hmm. And number two, how are they communicating? Because there's no radio waves underwater. <laughs> also, again, why does the alien ship have those suits? They were underwater creatures. Right. They lived underwater. <laughs> they don't need suits. Did they make the suits for the human? Crew Devendra, I think yeah. earlier in the review, you were referring to like these ships, or you know, 
Yeah. Like these things that they have where they took all this space and it's all like, this, it's a big set. That doesn't, it's just weird. It's a big set for, for James Wan to be like, I, I need the widest angle you have. Give me the widest <laughs> angle camera. Cause I got to shoot this big space. This and you would never design big. a submersible in you that You would fashion, never do that. But you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 We're, we're talking about, Realism in a movie where an octopus plays drums. So who's really the octopus did not play drums? He is known for playing. He is a secret agent. (laughs) He's a secret agent in this movie. So you know, we saw him playing drums in the last movie. Everybody loved it. Also, now he's a secret agent. No payoff for that character. (laughs) We established Topo. There's we have there's like no that character has. We have a bigger payoff for the seahorse that gets four seconds of screen time. Topo's on like it's part of it. Topo's on the horse and I like guess. dragging them out. Yeah. yeah. Topo and horse together. Well, anyway. It's so bad, you guys. All hail Topo. All <laughs> this hail is Topo. The, this is the end of the DC universe. The Zack Snyder DC universe. Uh, we will not. I, th- I don't think we'll see another mm-hmm. DC film until Superman Legacy in 2025. So and next week, yeah. we'll get to see what Zack Snyder's up to. It's yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> um Aquam, the, D, the the Snyderverse died so that Rebel Moon could live. You know what? And we'll we see will, if that's a good trade. We will see if that is a good trade, but I have my own guesses. Anyway, I think we're going to have a lot of fun reviewing that movie. Any yeah. other thoughts about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom? Or shall we uh, wrap it up there? T- Topo lives. Uh, again, what happened to Amber Heard's character? I don't know. It does. Fe- it feels really weird what happened to her <laughs> because there is this whole opening sequence of like, I'm a father now, doing fathery stuff. Yeah. The mother is right there. It's not just on him. Also, king of the king of the the Aqua Kingdom. You can't get you can't get a nanny. You can't get like a little. You're not. They do like an ode to single dads, and his dad was a single dad because the mom was away. But he's not a single dad. You know. Right. So yeah, it's, a good it's, point. it's weird. It's so yeah. weird. It, I actually, I'm I'm a little different than you. I actually thought I was surprised at how much Amber Heard was in it. To be frank, I, I mean, I was surprised. It, she just appears. She appears out of nowhere. She There's no like acknowledgement. That, yeah. Oh, I love you, wife. Or, she is almost completely absent from marketing. I think for yeah. you know yeah. uh, unfortunate reasons. Uh, but yeah, because Johnny Depp uh, sucks. There's there's all the these, record. There there is a lot of weirdness, and also like um, there's this whole I, this whole dynamic with like the council. They're trying to I remove know. his wartime For powers. What? And the <laughs> For what? And it's like, <laughs> why? Well, it could. It, I'm, I'm, it could have been interesting, Jeff. Kanata. But it, it wasn't. Could have been, it could <laughs> have been interesting, but it's also like, oh, you take, guys suck. Take it, take it easy, Jeff. We are agreeing, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't need to take it, your anger it, out of me. Okay. It could have been a trip to Maui, but it was a movie. You know what I'm saying? You're like, what? It could have. It could have fed homeless people. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that we're championing Aquaman using like extra judicial powers to to like uh, break this whole like democratic order that they have. Well, yeah, you're really good... cheering on a fascist over here. But, <laughs> you know. yeah, absolutely. And that's by the way, a, a, a subplot that is never dealt with again. You know, like <laughs> yeah, he he theoretically violates all these rules by getting mm-hmm. Orm out of prison, but then we never deal with that. Um, so. But yeah, I, I, the the idea that he's spending half his time on the surface, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's like the Jack Dorsey of Atlantis, you know? He's <laughs> he's splitting his time between Twitter yeah, and yeah. Square. That's or what we all like say. It, you know? yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, that's a kind of interesting. Like, you know, th- that that creates interesting dilemmas that the movie then does not explore in any. I guess uh, childcare does not exist on that lighthouse island. Like, no help for Aquaman. It's <laughs> yeah. a shame. It's a shame. The uh, did you guys actually stay for the mid credit scene? I stayed. I did. Yeah. It, yeah. I was. I was tweeting. Yeah. It, it, has there been a less, <laughs> less necessary mid credit scene in the history of mid credit scenes? This is also one of the the only times I think 
that there has been a mid credit scene that is literally just a scene from the movie, yeah. but mm-hmm. extended for another 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, it's you literally, literally just like, we ex- you could have easily put that in the movie. You just cut it and put it over here. Well, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's what they did with the Avengers. Again, it's the, it's yeah, the it's payoff the, for shawarma. The, the, the shawarma place, yeah. yeah but not even good. as clever or funny. But, yeah. but the shawarma, that was a different, that was physically a different It was shot. mentioned, it was mentioned. <laughs> no, I'm saying shawarma was seated in the film. And they're like, I'm going to go to shawarma no, but someday. He, Dave is yeah. right no, that it, we didn't yeah. have a scene of them at the shawarma place yes. that ended. And then we saw and more of that scene later. later. That's true. That's true. It, was a, it was literally a different camera setup. <laughs> yeah, listen, the budget was just getting really low. They just had to do another shot. There was actually no reason why they couldn't have just put the entire Patrick Wilson ordering burger scene uh-huh. as the post credits right yeah <laughs> so dumb yeah. all of it well Jeff I'm sorry that this one didn't do it for you it uh, bums me out but... I I was one of the people uh, you know among my friends among people I know that kept defending the first Aquaman movie I think mm. that movie's fun I had mm-hmm. a good time with it and I so genuinely good. was yeah. excited about that I think I was the one that was like we got to review this because I really want to see, and I was like, right next to Christmas time, it's not going to be easy to go see. I definitely this, but- want to review this too, yeah, because because also James Wan swung song in this whole like yeah. in this genre, you know, like I love it when this guy does weird things, and uh, I like I don't know, the, I like it the phrase fine. James Wan swan song swung song. It was fine. It was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't fine. <laughs> we'll All we'll right. see what fine is next week when we review Webble Moon. <laughs> yes. Jeff, you will be begging. <laughs> you will be begging splendor. for the visual splendor of Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom when we are discussing we'll Rebel Moon. All right. At the end of the day, it is really impressive that James Wan made a movie. And you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, and our weekly plugs music and spoiler bumper comes from Noah Ross. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Uh, Noah Ross also edited this episode. Uh, we hope everyone had a happy holiday. Next week on the podcast, uh, you know, I, I, people are probably curious, like, when are we going to do our top 10 movies of the year episode? That is coming in January. Uh, but we wanted to do one more movie review to ring in the new year. And that is Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, which is streaming right now. Got to see it before we make our for. top 10s. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How could we leave that out? Yeah. Of the top 10. Uh, impossible. Impossible. So Rebel Moon will be our main review for next week. Uh, thank you so much for your support over the course of the last year. It has meant a lot. It's made a big difference to all of us. And uh, until next year, we hope everyone stays safe, happy, healthy. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.